While you're marking your books, I want to say thank you for being here this evening. Thank you for all uh, the visitors that we have in the audience. If you count yourself as a visitor, we want you to know that you are welcome here. And we're glad you're here. We want to invite you back at every opportunity. I'm thankful to be here tonight. I'm thankful that I can gather in this assembly and sing these songs and glorify God in this assembly. And that's our goal, isn't it? That was in, mentioned in the opening prayer. We want to glorify God. And Revelation 15 and 4 says, out of the King James Version, Who shall not fear thee, O Lord, and glorify thy name? Now, I read that and I think about how anyone could stand in the presence of God and not want to glorify Him. And I believe that's the message the Scripture is teaching there. We want to glorify God. Why? Because He's God. He's the creator of all things. He is the supreme. In Him we live and move and have our very being, the Scripture says. So John says, Who shall not fear thee? O Lord, and glorify thy name. For thou only art holy. For all nations shall come and worship before thee. For thy judgments are made manifest. John speaks of the holiness of God. And I think of Isaiah when he receives this vision and he sees God adorned. And the seraphims and the angels cry, Holy, holy, holy. And this vision shows us a glorious God. Who shall not glorify thee? I hope this is your intent this evening. It's to glorify God. He's worthy. He's worthy of our praise. He's worthy of all of our adoration. We need to learn how to do that. It's kind of like what I was talking about this morning. We could put a sign up out here and say we glorify God. But our actions might prove otherwise. We need to learn how to glorify God and what that exactly means. The word glorify comes from the Greek word doxadzo. And it means to render or esteem glorious. In a wide application. And we're going to see that word used in a moment. But it means honor, magnify. So I ask you this evening, we want to glorify God in this assembly. And certainly I think with these songs we certainly accomplish a portion of that. And I think in our prayers when we bow before him and realize he is a holy God worthy of all of our adoration and thanksgiving, but how are we living in our life is the question I want to ask you. Who would not want to glorify God? To honor Him and to magnify Him. 1 Corinthians 15 and 4 says, In whom the God of this world hath blinded their minds, the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel... This glorious gospel magnifies Christ. We talk about preaching the gospel of Christ. When we preach the gospel of Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection, and him being deity, we are glorifying God. And the gospel glorifies God. 
Who would not want to glorify him? He says, in the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. We see the glorious Christ in all of his magnificence, where when we stand before him, all we can cry is, holy, holy, holy. And the gospel cries that. Holy, holy, holy. Because he is the image of God. However, I want to tell you, there's a lot of people in this world today, and I hope that you're not one of them, but I want us to examine that, who are not concerned about glorifying God. Romans 1, beginning with verse 21, the Scripture says, Because that when they knew God, now notice that, they knew God, they understood there is a God, They recognize there is a higher power and a higher being. They may even say, God, as I know him to be God, or I recognize him to be God in whatever form of God is, and I recognize there is a God. But they glorified him not as God. Neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened, professing themselves to be wise, The scripture says they became fools. And I think what a foolish thing it is when we recognize God and we don't glorify him as God. And the scripture says there that they became fools. Verse 23 goes on and says, And changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man, and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. Who changed the truth of God into a lie. And worshipped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Verse 26 says, For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another. Men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves the recompense of their error, which was meat. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. The Apostle Paul has a stirring message here. It is a message that comes on the heels of Paul saying, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation. He understands the glorious gospel shining unto man, changing their life, but there are people who choose not to glorify God as God. Notice in verse 21, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. Notice, if you will, in verse 24, the scripture uses the term gave them up. Verse 26 says gave them up. Verse 28 says God gave them over. 
That's interesting to me. What does he mean by that, giving them up? I want to tell you that I believe that the failure to glorify God as God results in one becoming a servant under that thing which they glorify as God. I believe that we can sort, uh, sort a lot of our, uh, if you will, captivity based upon who we're serving and what we're serving. You realize today that a lot of people want to dishonor God in the fact that they don't even want to retain him in their memory. That was very true in Paul's time too. And the reference that Paul is making of that group of people. But as a result of that, God gave them up. Now let me, let me uh, explain this way, uh, the best I can, my understanding. God gave you free will. You can make a choice. I can make a choice on what I want to be God in my life and who I want to be God in my life. God will honor your choice. He will honor it. Now, I hear all the time, I was born this way. And you know, science has been looking for a homosexual gene now for many, many years. They can't find it. And if they could find it, I guarantee you they would be broadcasting to the top of the roofs, we found a homosexual gene, and now we understand homosexuality. But the truth is, what Paul said is you magnify your own body and you magnify the lust of the flesh to the point that God says, okay, you make that choice that's going to be your God, then you're going to serve it. The same is true with all addictions. An addiction is simply something that we have placed in our life that this is extremely important. Now, I've, uh, some people like to overeat. Now, I'm not one of them. Well, maybe I am. But what if I became an addicted to food? Now, what that means is, is I have no control over my appetite. And I become a gluttonous man. If I make that choice that this is the most important thing for me in my life is to eat. And I'm going to spend all my days searching out this food that I so desperately crave. And I'm going to worship it when I get it. God will say, you make your choice, you can serve it. We see that all the time happening in all kinds of addictions. Now... Many programs are out there to try to get people's mind channeled back to where it should be, that off the flesh onto the spiritual, and I applaud that. However, we need to understand we need to worship God as God. We need to magnify Christ as the Savior. We need to glorify Him in all things. If not, we will be addicted to the drugs and the sex and the money and the power and all of those things. And then we become a servant to them. We can explain then a lot of things, I believe, based upon who we're serving and who we're magnifying and glorifying in our life. Romans 6, 16, the scripture says, Know ye not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey... His servants ye are to whom you obey. 
whether of sin unto death or obedience unto righteousness. Again, let me say, you have free choice. You can make a decision on whom you're going to serve and what you're going to serve. And God will honor that choice. We look at this passage in Romans 1 and we think, God giving them up. All he's doing is honoring your choice. You want to serve it? Go ahead and serve it. And then you become literally a servant to it. Now, I want to say something to everyone here, especially the young people. But you can pick up things in your life when you're young that seems harmless, that seems like it's of no consequence, and you might end up serving it your entire life if you're not careful. Because those things become a God. And they become of extreme importance. We have to be careful with our choices and our decisions. We have to understand that whom we yield ourselves, servants to obey, those are whom we will obey. So our slavery to sin then results in our failing to glorify God as God. Freedom from the bondage of sin will only be found in Christ. That may be accomplished by glorifying God as God, rather than the thing we're in bondage to. Now, I'm not a psychologist. I don't pretend to know anything about any of that to any degree whatsoever. I've got a daughter that studied quite a bit in that, but, and they've, they've researched addictions, and they've researched all these things, why people end up doing what they do, and the, the definition of insanity is you keep doing the same thing over again, you know, hoping for a better result or a different result, but you get the same thing because you make the same choices, and why do you keep making the same choices over and over and over again? But if we start glorifying God as God, then we start making the choices that will glorify Him and not ourselves. How? What things? I want to give you some basic principles tonight to start glorifying God as God that the world is not teaching you. As a matter of fact, the world is teaching you right opposite of these things. And I believe that if we start glorifying God as God, recognizing Him of who He is and His purpose, then a lot of the bondage that we have experienced in our life, we will experience freedom because freedom is found in Christ and only in Christ. I believe we have to glorify God as the creator of all things. I'm not ashamed to say it. I believe God is the creator. I believe he's the giver of life. I believe the reason you are here this evening is because of a loving God and a merciful God that loves you and desires good things for you. And we need to recognize that. There was a professional football player that came out not too long ago. And, and the only reason I bring him up is because he is one who would carry a great deal of influence among a lot of people. But he said that he is an atheist now. He said, I've decided to be an atheist. He decided to come out of the closet on his theology. And he says, I don't believe in God. And he looked toward the creation. And he said, where a lot of people see the hand of God, he said, I see a law of physics. Now, doesn't that sound smart? That sounds like, oh, you really know something. You're, you're seeing a law of physics. 
not understanding who created the law of physics. We need to glorify God as God, as the creator of all things. Romans 1 verse 24 says, Whether God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator, who is blessed forever. We serve a God who is a creator. He's a loving creator. Let's recognize him as the creator. Today we are bombarded, especially those of, uh, that are still in school. I'm too old to be in school. But I still hear it and I see it all the time. Bombarded. There is no creator. To failure to recognize God is a creator. And then we become enslaved to the things that we are magnifying and glorifying God. Isaiah 40 verse 28 says, Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard, that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary, there is no searching of his understanding. Isaiah understood. We need to understand and we need to profess it and confess it that Jesus is the creator. He was before all. He is over all. We glorify him as the creator. Furthermore, I believe we need to magnify him as a life giver. Acts 17, 28 says, For in him we live and move and have our being. As certain also of our, young, of our own poets have said, For we are also his offspring. Today we are bombarded by a thought that says, I have a choice. My body, my choice. And I don't, I don't mean to be controversial in this at all. I'm just telling you that I think we need to understand who is the life giver. It's not me and it's not you. God is the life giver. When we start glorifying God as the life giver, then I can't be a life taker. If, I, if God is the life giver, then he gives and he takes away, as Job says. And I can't be that. That's why murder's wrong. In any form. Whether it be of the heart, or whether it be of an action, it's still wrong. Why? Because God gives life, and I don't have a right to take it. I don't have a right to even establish the idea that I can take it. God is the creator. He is the giver of life. He has that authority, and we start recognizing that our life changes. I start looking at people differently. I can start looking at people as individuals who God breathed life into and gave life. I don't see them in groups anymore. I can start seeing them as individuals that God loves and that God gave a life to. Right now in this country, we have a whole population that is being decimated because of an, an idea that we give life and not God. And that cannot be. Else we become in bondage to the things of the flesh. We become servants to it. I need to glorify God in all aspects of my life. Brethren, I'm pointing out just a few of these that are so 
paramount, of such an importance. Paul named them. He listed them, so I feel like I have a right to list them. The giver of life. Psalm 36 and 9 says, For with thee is the fountain of life, in thy light shall we see light. I know all the time preachers will say, you know, that you're, you don't force your heart to beat. You don't. You don't, have, you don't have the ability to think of this exchange of oxygen going into your lungs and spreading out through your bloodstream and nourishing your, your uh, body. You don't have that ability to decide that. I want to ask you this. Did you have an ability to decide where you were being born at? Did you have the ability to decide who were going to be your parents? I feel very fortunate that I was born in, I'm going to say at the best place in the United States. <laughs> Where we have trees. <laughs> I didn't decide that. I could have been born in Africa. Where my granddaughter was born. I could have been born in a jungle and raised in an open-air orphanage like she was, with no doors and no windows. I didn't choose. She didn't choose. I could be born in India or any of these places in the world that not are nearly as blessed as we are. And then suddenly, all of a sudden, we think somehow we have the ability to decide who's worthy of life and who's not. I want you to think about that. Consider that. God decides. Because he's God. And I'm not. When we fail to glorify God, we can start taking more liberty than we're entitled to take. We see murder as an extreme of the liberty. You know it's nothing new. What's going on today is nothing new of what's been going on for centuries and for as long as time has lasted. There's always been murder, but I want to tell you why there's murders. Because people start glorifying the creature more than they do the creator. We have no right in any form. We glorify God as the giver of life. 1 John 5 and 12 says, He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. There is a giver of life that goes beyond this carnal flesh. I'm thankful that I'm alive. I enjoy this life for the most part. <laughs> I'm not saying that everything is rosy and it's not rosy for you either. I don't live in a Pollyanna world where everything is roses and flowers and beautiful colors. I know. And there's probably nobody in here that struggles with pessimism any more than I do. But I'm thankful for this life, nevertheless, because God gave it to me. And he gave you life. But there's a life that far excels this life. And he's also the giver of that life. But I'll never attain that life except I glorify him as God. By glorifying him as God, then I can become submissive to him. And I can bow my head at his feet. And I can worship him and glorify him. So John says that Christ is the giver of 
life, and he's talking about eternal life. I believe that you and I can enjoy eternal life now. I believe we receive the earnest of the expectation. I believe that we can start living today. But I cannot start living today except I know the giver of life and the creator of life. I cannot start living eternally today except I know Christ and I follow him. John 1 and 4 says, In him was life and the life was the light of men. Now why am I spending so much time on this? On life. Because it's the most valuable thing that you've got. You can build your life all around material things. And you can build your life around the creature more than the creator. And at the end of your life, you're going to see that your life has been a basket full of empty holes. Of holes that empty the basket. Our life is the most important thing that we have. We glorify God with our life. We have to magnify him as the creator of things, of all things, and the giver of life to all men. Our pride tends to lead us to forget who we are and what we are. I believe walking by faith is Trusting God. Walking, living, breathing. Knowing that we have a heavenly Father who is the creator of all things and the giver of eternal life. Understanding that we serve one who is higher and mightier than we are. Now the world teaches the opposite. We have to understand when we hear these things. We have to understand that the world's dogma is not the dogma of the Bible. It's not the dogma of Christ. Your life is important. But I want to tell you the more important is your spiritual life. Your physical existence here is important. The things that you want and you desire and you work for, they are important. I understand that. But your spiritual existence far exceeds any of that. And the value of that. But I cannot, I cannot grasp that with one hand and decline God with the other. Psalm 14.1 says, The fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. Now it's possible, according to Romans 1, that you can recognize there is a God and still be a fool. <laughs> because the fool basically is a person who says, Maybe there is a God, maybe there isn't a God, but I'm going to reconcile my life that there is no God. So we come here this evening and we sing songs and we pray and we worship God. But how are we really reconciling our life? As they knew God, they glorified Him not as God. How are we reconciling our life? Can you imagine reconciling your life without God? Many people do. Maybe you're one that's trying it. I don't know. There's a lot of miserable people in the world. You know why they're miserable? There's no more miserable man in the world that's got one foot in heaven and one foot in this world and tries to live in both. That's the most miserable man walking. Because he's trying to reconcile his life as if there is no God, knowing there is a God. <laughs> 
Paul says this man is the one who, when they knew him, he didn't glorify him as God. He didn't recognize him or didn't admonish, acknowledge. I'll get it right in a minute. Acknowledge who God is. Perfect example of this, I believe, and this is a parable that you all know, and I won't read these passages. You can look at them on the board. Luke 12 is this rich farmer who uh, was quite successful. And he built these barns to store all of his goods. And then he looked around and seen what he had, and he'd stored all these goods. And he said, Thou hast many goods laid up for many days. Eat, drink, and be merry. For tomorrow you may die. He's reconciling his life that in these things that he has. And he speaks the pronouns of a fool. You know what the pronouns of a fool are, don't you? I, my, and mine. Everything centered around I, my, and mine. This is what I will do. I'll pull down my barns, I'll build bigger barns, I'll store up all these goods, and I'll say, soul, take thine ease. You've got many goods laid up for many days. Take it easy. And Jesus says, thou fool, tonight thy soul shall be required of thee. Jesus did call him a wicked man. I read that for many years thinking this man would had to be a wicked man. He didn't call him a wicked man. He wasn't a murderer. He wasn't a thief. He was a hard-working farmer that had been blessed and was successful in his farming. Jesus just called him a fool. Why? Because he was trying to reconcile his life without God. That's why. How we are living in our life, in this walk in our life, seven days a week, 24 hours a day, is how we're trying to reconcile our life. How we're trying to live. What we're living for. Isaiah 43 and 11 says, Even I am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. There's no other God but our God. You can assign names to any of these deities or these so-called little deities, if you want to, whatever they are, even your own job or your own family or your own life. There's no God except our God. Strong's defines this as kurios, this word that's used as supreme and authority. At the end of the day, brethren, you are all under the authority of God. Whether we recognize him as God or whether we don't, you are still under his authority. We recognize God then as Lord. Because we recognize him as the supreme authority. The cry of the many is that in that day, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. Many people will acknowledge the supreme authority on that day. Why? Because they're under that supreme authority. They have no choice. Everyone is under that supreme authority, whether they recognize it or not. But right now, you have a choice. God will honor your choice. 
He will honor it. If you choose to honor anything, something other than God as God, as Jesus Christ as Lord, he will honor that. He'll allow you to do that. Be careful. Be careful what you acknowledge as the supreme authority in your life. Why do we do what we do? I've, I've often heard it said many people do what they want to do. <laughs> and that's true. But most of the time we do what we're serving. And we bow down to that which we acknowledge as the supreme authority over us. Many will acknowledge Jesus on that day because they have to. Today you can acknowledge him as the only way. Hebrews 2 and 3 says, How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him? How shall we escape? We understand then that Jesus is the only way. When we start acknowledging Jesus as the only way, we acknowledge him as Lord. We acknowledge him as creator of all things. We acknowledge him as supreme. Now, if he's God, if he is who he says he is, and I'm willing to glorify him as God and magnify him as God, then that means I'm going to become a servant to him. God will honor your choice. Do you want to serve God? He'll honor that choice. How wonderful it is that we do not serve a hard taskmaster. We have this vision, so many people do, of God as a, a tyrant. He's not. However, if you're wanting to serve sin and you're wanting to serve yourself, David says, the way of the transgressor is hard. And look in your own life. Have you not experienced the hardness of transgression and the difficulty of transgression? Do you really want to serve God? Do you really want to glorify Him and magnify Him? Do you really want to be set free? Come tonight. Come to Jesus. Repenting of your sins. Making that choice. Honoring Him with the confession that I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Be buried with Him in baptism. If you're here tonight and you desire to make a change in your life in some form, or maybe you just need help and you need prayers of the church, we want to help you. Won't you come and take a seat on the front? It's together we stand and sing.